This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. I used to go pretty often, uh, like once uh, every two weeks or so, to the Moshe Feinstein to discuss certain shilas that came up, etc., etc. And uh, once he wasn't feeling well and he stayed mostly at home, uh, I knew he wasn't right based to get to go and bother him like that. So I basically um, didn't go to visit much. One day I received a call from a common colonel of Ashalom. He says, you know, the Moshe has a minion for Kriya Torah. They have exactly, they bring in exactly a amount of people over there for a minion. He was given the right to bring some uh, Bachram with him. If I want to join, I'll be the 10th one. He's asking me to take me along. I said, I'll be very more than happy to go to be there for the minion. So we come over there, we arrive at the point of time, we're waiting in the hall, whoever took care of this said that he's not ready yet, we should wait a few minutes. And then a column sees me taking out from my bag, I take out my talus, and I'm putting on my talus. He says, what's up, you're putting on a talus? I says, I, I hope. It's the right thing to do. Okay, we go in. Uh, they ask around, is there a Koyan? Yeah, there was a Koyan there. There was a lady. Then he's looking around for your stroll, and they gave me the third Aliyah stroll. And basically, this was the last time uh, that the Moshe had a minion for Kriya Torah, because basically after that, his mom wasn't feeling well, and they couldn't handle it. So when we left, so Kalman Krohn, if Kalman Krohn says, now I know what your husband was, because when the Gabai, whoever is there, is looking around who to give the Aliyah, it's a lot easier giving it to somebody that has a palace because we don't have to wait for him to go put on a palace, etc., etc. And that must have been your cheshbon. That was my cheshbon. And there was one time, as a bochiet, not as a man, that I went to the Moshe because I made a certain nether. So I came to him by um, uh, basically a davening, the chakras, and I told him that I made a nether, a kachatach, a dozen So he calls over the Mashgiach, the Birenbaum. And he raises his voice, he says, He really took off on me big time. And I was very surprised because I've never heard that Moshe really take off on such a kind of thing like this. Then he tells the Viraman to step back to his seat. And Moshe asks me, he says, Did you think when you made the nether that I'm going to basically berate you so much the way I did? I said, No, I never knew that that this would bother the Rashiva so much, this and that. And if I would have known so that it bothered the Rashiva so much, I never would have made the nether. So he says, I believe, and everything is fine and well. <coughs> we uh, used to go, when he, when the Moshe used to come to Mansi, to uh, his aid, and he was there for Sukkot, I don't know if the first days or the whole Sukkot, I'm not sure. But the second night of Sukkot, after we finished eating, we used to walk up Maple Avenue to go visit the Moshe, uh, so we picked up another young man, Shmuel Klein, on the way. Yeah, we were heading out there. Then we come in, and the race again. Again, finally we got into to the circuit of the Moshe. And I told him, Moshe, I asked him, I said, we were having a discussion, me and the Shmuel Klein, if you come into somebody else's sukkah, do you, and you can eat something. Do you first make the brachalesha by sukkah, or first you make the mezoinus like in your own sukkah? So I said, Aichagahalten, what, what came out to me from Mishnah Brura, 
that he used his by just visiting somebody else's sukkah, but we don't make the bracha unless we um, we eat something. So Mamela, the chiyuv really comes first, is the chiyuv to make the bracha. So the Moshe says, yes, I thought a that that's what comes out in Alocha, that when by your own sukkah you first make the bracha on the Mizaynas and the Leish of a sukkah. So you go by somebody else's sukkah, you first make the bracha, Leish of a sukkah, and then you make the bracha Mizaynas. As a bracha was eating by somebody uh, in uh, Lakewood, I was eating uh, lunch. I opened up the refrigerator to get out something, and I noticed <coughs> that he had uh, non-cholovisrol milk in the refrigerator. So I asked him, what's pshat? <coughs> so he says that Moshe has a chuba, and he says that uh, you could use it. <coughs> I was kind of taken back, taken aback, and that this young man, real former young man, that this is uh, the attitude. So I asked him, what are you doing here for lunch? He said, I'm going to lay down, then I'll go to yeshiva. I say, could I borrow your car? He says, for how long? I said, for about three hours. He says, yeah, color covered. Here's the keys. I say, could you maybe come along with me? He says, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the Moshe. Okay, comes along. And we go to the Moshe, and I tell the Moshe that I saw this mice over here that he has an alcohol restrained in the refrigerator. <coughs> he lives in Lakewood. And basically, I was very stunned by that. And as Akhmer, that's the trouble. So the Moshe turns to this younger man, and he says, to drink non-chol Yisrael. So he says, the Moshe has a trouble on it. He says, what? He says, how often do you get chol Yisrael comes to Lakewood? He says, eh, once a week, or once in ten days, but usually once a week. So he says, once a week, he says, yeah, I'm not that. He says, I went and wrote this chuvah for basically uh, in a far out in the, in the Midwest that they can't get no Chol Yisrael Bechlal over there after once in six months or more. And there's uh, women that need it. They need it for, um, for nursing. They need milk. Uh, they need it for the children, this and that. right. He says, but you living in Lakewood, there is no Heta Bechlal on drinking Chol Yisrael doesn't exist. If you're drinking uh, non-cholesterol, it doesn't exist such a guy. It doesn't have to in the Mexican town, and uh, all the product is that you should, you should never do such kind of thing. <coughs> Rather, in that same volume of Idris Moshe, we have this thing about the Cholustam that I was addressing is, he has a tshuva earlier, he's a tshuva chof where he says over there that the operated cows that they do because of what's called now bloating, Makes it a valid safer, and Mamela forgetting the thing if it's Cholavakam or not basically obliges really um, a valid safer. And uh, about uh, 20 years ago, 18 20 years ago, it was discovered there's another procedure they do which is called this place, the Mason, which also Vade makes it a safer, which I'll get into another time, which I went to the Goyashram and the Rosen about that. And basically, uh, based on those um, two facts of the bloating and uh, displaced of a mason, which is called in the industry DAs, basically there's six to eight percent of the behemoths are treif. Therefore, there is no shishim and there is no heter of so called cholostam, cholovakim, etc., because it's all really cholostreif. Does it exist? Heter, and the Moshe has it in the safe. 
on one of my visits to Reb Shmuel Rosen in Bnei Brak, I asked him a question as follows, that uh, there was a shaila if gelatin is part of it. Reb Aaron had a chuva in it, and uh, the, uh, and uh, he wrote two chuvas on it, and the Moshe wrote a chuva on it. So um, uh, on the end of the second chuva, Reb Aaron wrote, that you have to make it the gelatin of new kalim. So he asked Rav you saw the chuva? He says, yeah. I say, what, did Rav Aaron dinktzich on Hagolah's kalim and he came to Hagolah's kalim? And another question is, what does it have to do uh, the kalim, if it's new kalim or not, when the whole handlerai uh, in this whole chuva is if it's far or not? What does it have to do with it? So Ravosna looked very perplexed and surprised, and he's thinking, I said, I'll tell you the truth, when I see a chuva on something, I don't go through the whole thing. I go through basically like three quarters of it, I know exactly where it's happened to, and this must be written right on by the end, and Mela, I really didn't see it, so, uh, but but I'm telling you, so it's, it's a pella, I have no answer why he put that in, he said, both of your kashas are very, very good kashas on this thing. And he says, maybe you have a, a terrace on the thing. I said, yes, I do. I said, you have to know a little bit of background information. This chuva was written to Rabbi Cornmel, uh, which was the Ravamachshe for Barton's candy, Barton's chocolates, etc., etc. And he asked them because they wanted to use <coughs> gelatin in some of their products. And um, Barton's made one production, two productions of gelatin, and after the, the second show of Rav Moshe, they never made it again because there was a criteria. Now, so what the story was like this. The Bartons, the Klein brothers, were the biggest supporters of um, Lakewood Yeshiv over here. And Rav really was choyzer from his psak that it's parav. If he would tell them such a thing, and now it's not parav, and the shiloh is what it is, because it's meat, and there be other shilohs on it, etc., etc. And they went and made it, this and that. There could be a big chalish zadas, there could be a lot of a lot of issues, side issues, because of the thing. So what Abaran did was, which I call it a catch-22, he went and put in a kasit So Mela, if you only make it once a year, once in two years, it's way too expensive to buy that equipment, because it's not cheap equipment. The Mela, you're not going to make it again. So Mela, <coughs> he knows no kilku could come out again because they're not going to be able to make it again. And that's the way he, and you see that type of work, they could never made it again. So there was two other Abadim sitting there, so they were a little bit taken back by the statement that I said. So Rabbi told him, turned to them and to me, he says, Echobnish can suffer as does is given the Cheshbim fin, the Baron, basically that they shouldn't make it again, and he didn't want to hurt them. Basically, that he was on the, the tshuva, so he went and wrote it this. And you find them previous to Doris that there was others that did these type of things, which um, which they did a thing to, in order to avoid a problem, and they went and did kind of thing that basically came in, which looked a little bit odd, but they wanted to avoid a different problem. That's where they came up with it. And then the Vosne asks me, by Vemenas de Galad, who's student I I said, I learned by a lot of Rashidas. I can't say anybody that my. I say, why is the Rav asking? So he says, very simple. Every time you come here, you come up with an interesting that others could have seen the same things 
etc., etc., and nobody looked at it the way you looked at it. So I wanted to know where you got the Mahala from. I said, no. He says, I said, I don't have any Roshiva that I could say that that's my Roshiva and that's the Mahalach. I said, but I want to ask the Rav, is the thing that I bring up, is it very glass or it's, uh, you know, off the wall? So he says, no, it's a Zaya glass. Surprising that nobody else came up with it. But I said, you have a different look at things, etc. And if you have any other things that come up, he says, the Gishmak to talk here, and you come to the bed and say, some, tell them as if you go back and you should come in by me. And because they're not going to understand a lot of the things that you're trying to address anyway. And you come in by me, he says, You should come here, and I'd appreciate it. You. you come to that that you should stop in over here. And there's a couple of things that came up while you were away. <coughs> uh, you developed a machine called Remote Visual Stroll, which basically is that the uh, install equipment gets installed in the company. And it's hooked up to the boiler, to the oven, etc., etc. And by telephone, with a code, the Mashgiach could access it and uh, access the thing and, and turn on the equipment in order I made that that it should be visually strong. But I went to the Shlomo Zalman to discuss it with him because he understood electric and electronics, etc., etc. And I want to discuss with him if it feels as I And I started explaining to him what it is. And I told him I want to know also if it's my CSRO. Suddenly, he turns red, and his veins start popping a stickle from his head, and he starts attacking me very, very heavily. Against, I didn't know what he wanted from me. Because I, well, I was explaining it, this and that, and he was, he was on a straight-out attack. And he says, he's got to uh, rest up a little bit. I should wait a few minutes. It's okay, wait a few minutes, this and that. And then I explained to him what this thing is all about. So he told me that he would want to have some changes made in it, and uh, if I make these changes, then I should come back to him with the thing, which went by a while. I had the changes made by my uh, technician. I came back to him, and I showed him the thing, and we tested it out. This and that. He was very, very happy, and he says, it doesn't make a difference if somebody turns on the switch by a boiler or by an oven, <coughs> and the, the boiler or the oven is in the next room or someplace else, this and that. We are turning it on, and from... America will be someplace else. It doesn't make a difference. It's, it's, it's definitely called visually stroll. So I told him that I, it bothered me a lot the fact that he really attacked me the other time about this. I don't know what I just said wrong with it. I'll tell you. He says, I, I find that Americana Rabonim basically sit and try to come up with more Hatayim and more Hatayim constantly for their constituents or whatever else it is. They're looking for Hatayim. But they're afraid to come to me and ask me straight out a single phrase other saucer. They come up with um, a roundabout hypothetical case, and from that, they'll say, oh, boy, and that's what it is. So, first thing is, I try to find out from who they are and what they are. And I talk all around about the things, and I try to figure out what exactly they're heading to, because usually it's not the question they're asking that they're really heading to that they want to have. And my mother says, But you're a patient, I bought them like that. They'll ask straight. This is what it is, so the, with the Americana Rabbanum, I have to be more careful. He says, when you came here last time, he asked me if it's considered my CSRO. He says, young man like you, my CSRO doesn't come into play over here. You want to have special CSRO, past CSRO, he's a bunch my CSRO. I said, I told you what the thing is. The MICE is that it was a cautious organization. That in order to make the Venus Israel, they need somebody to put in the rent. 
they wanted to use this kind of machine, they'll have a camera to see what it is, and the mashgiach by remote will access this thing that'll turn an arm and drop in the ran it into the cheese mix, and Mela will have a mice roll that is Gavinus's roll. He says, you see, I was right. And you may, that's how he, you gave yourself away. He says, do not give it to those. He says, any place where it's going to eliminate a mashgiach from a production like that, he says, there is no such a better thing than in a production. If he's going to go down every time in order to put in the rennet, and that's where he'll be there, Zolzai does never give it if it's going to eliminate the Mashgiach at all. You have this, there's times, and it's not going to be a Mashgiach, and Zolzai, Bishalakam, you have to become Machabish Yisrael, fine. He says, and you should know, he says that, that if you eliminate a Bishalakam in, in America, and you make a Bishal Yisrael, you'll eliminate the intermarriage in Paris. I said, why does that have to do one with the other? So he says, that Chazal say two things cause intermarriage. Not what these other Rabbanim say, that because you don't teach them the schools right, or this thing, he said, that's not what it is. There's two things that cause intermarriage, and strictly those two things, that's what Chazal say. One is uh, Bishalakam, the second thing is is Yayin, or Driyasakam, or Nagiyasakam, whatever else it is, that's the two things. And that, he says, that American Rabbanim are very lax in those things, especially, especially, says, uh, uh, the the by the Kashras over there that originates over there then in Baltimore they're very weak on these things and that are they are the cause of your intermarriage which is very surprising he says what we had over there with 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 Hitler and that we have such a high rate of intermarriage which is very very surprising but it's basically this because they're looking for all these kind of and you know the one from Baltimore came up with a hefter with a thing which what that hefter they came up with is all and that's all cause of the thing and well you push this thing so I asked them what happens let's say in Japan when in Japan it's not the same day as over here could I turn on their boil over there and Shabbos and vice versa, because I'm from Japan, turn on a boiler oven when it's Shabbos over here and not Shabbos by then. So he tells me, And that was it. But Baruch Hashem, the thing is being used in a number of places around the world. Not a problem. It was an interesting call I got from a company in Alaska. <coughs> they told me very often it happened, their electric goes out on them. And they know that on Saturday they're not going to be able to call anybody to turn it on. But they happen to have a Jewish lady that works for the company. <coughs> they want to know if they pull her on, put her on a skull cap, uh, and she goes and turns it on. Would that be sufficient for it to be in which they require the Bishop Yisrael? And I told them absolutely not. She really can't work over there, etc., etc. I got another call from a company in Canada that there was a hashgacha that's going to give them hashgacha on. <coughs> cooked salmon production they're doing, and they want me, they'll, uh, they'll want to talk to me about having my machine installed in their place so they could have the Bishley stroll done. So I asked them, don't they do on the same equipment also um, crabs? They said, uh, yes, they do, and they were a little bit you know, taken back by that question that I asked them, and <coughs> 
I said, uh, you know, if you're using the same equipment, you really can't use this for the rabbi to turn it on. And when the thing has to be kosher, I said to them, they said, Rabbi, we only need from you this equipment. All other things, they had that rabbi came down here, he approved everything, and we just want to move along on this. So I said, okay, let me get in touch with them, and I'll uh, and somebody will be back to you. And I call up the other one and say, are you aware that they do uh, crib on that same equipment? They said, we were unaware of such a thing. How, how did you, sitting in Lakewood, find out without going to the company? That's what they do. So I said, I have a disc from the Fishery Department of Canada where I cross-reference telephone numbers. And I cross-referenced that telephone number, and it came up also for a company that does this, and I spoke to them. They said it's two different seasons of the salmon and this. And uh, they, they do both items and this and that, and uh, you decide if you feel still that you give out coffee. They said they'd rather not give out coffee to a company that basically has that uh, problem. When I was out of town on a Ashgacha job, so somebody brings to my wife <coughs> a can of tuna, tuna fish, and he says it, it just does, it looks very, very odd, the type of tuna, what it is, something is fishy. And so my wife says, I'm not around. She should leave the can over here. I come back Friday, she'll show it to me and see what this is all about. Okay, so he says he called up the cash organization. It says that officially strolled. And they told him, if you don't like what it looks like, give it back to the store. But you could be sure 100% that it's tuna and visually strong as Nothing to worry about. So, she shows it to me, my wife. I came back Friday morning. I took it down to Point Pleasant, where there's a lot of fishermen over there, commercial fisheries. And I showed them the, this product, and everybody identified it as clam. Clam? So I went and I called up the company that made it, it's called the California Delight, and I called up, I spoke to the ball boss there, and I asked him what's going on with this kind of thing, it happens to be clam, and he says, can't, he can't be a pizza, he says, I'll be down in Lakewood sometime next week, have the can, and let me see what it is, etc, etc. Okay, I waited for him, and I called up the Vadakashris in Baltimore to tell them that we have this kind of issue and they uh, told me I should put up signs in, in the local stores over here people shouldn't buy it until they can make a bill of what's going on over here okay it gets a Sunday Monday Tuesday nobody comes from California to like to see what this product is so I pick myself up and I go down to Baltimore to address the issue and I show them the things they asked me did you take it to uh, a lab to identify it I say, no, the Allah says you bring it to a mumchim, a fish, which I did. I brought it to seven mumchim, and everybody identified it that way. I said, does this company make also clam? He says, no, definitely not. We're doing production there already for over three years, and they only do kosher things. I say, very interesting. How do you know they only do kosher? He says, we're not Megala, our secrets, how we know exactly what a company does. I say, is it B&M Fish Company in Thailand? They said, yes, it is. So I said, very interesting, I take out a paper from my pocket that I got from B&M Fish Company, that has 1,200 workers, and it says the products they make, and some of the products they make is clam and baby clam. So I said, the company tells me on their paper that they do make it, and you tell me you have big sight how they don't make it. So they asked me for a copy of it, and I said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. You're there already three years 
and you don't have basic information about the company, what it is, I said, but I'm going to tell you where this mistake could have happened and how you could have avoided it. I said, we're not interested in hearing what you have to say. I asked them, the date code on the can is the date code um, see, um, tuna fish is first cooked as a whole fish with the guts or without the, the guts. And then it's canned the following day, and it's cooked in a retort if it's canned. So it goes cooking one day and cooking the second day. And I said, is this date code on it um, an American date code where the month comes first? Or is it a European date code where the day of the month comes first? They said they're not sure. I said, could you maybe take out your file? on this production. They said, we looked for it from when you called us on last week Friday. We can't find the file on it. I said, who is the Mashgiach? We're not sure. We don't know. But we can't find anything. They said, why does it make a difference to you what the date the date for it is? I said, very simple. This was either done on Friday and Shabbos or Shabbos and Sunday, depending on what kind of date code it is. But regardless, one of the cookings was done on Shabbos. And I want to talk to the Mashgiach of how he did Bishul Yisrael Mashgiach Tamidi on Shabbos. And that was basically the end of the conversation. A few weeks later, they put an ad in the Detroit by the thing that if you have tuna fish with this and this date code and the cans don't fit, don't use it until you check with the cocktail organization, etc., etc. And uh, that was basically uh, the end of the story. But basically, yes, there was, there was definitely things. A few weeks ago, I told my, my wife at the Shredish today, usually I do something for the Shredish, I have nothing planned for the Shredish besides the Sudish Shredish, nothing special planned. Could you maybe go down to Fourth and Clifton to Bagel Nash and pick up um, uh, half a dozen bagels? That'll be for the Shredish. So, my wife goes down and she sees it's a very long line. So she figured, what, I'm going to wait for a long line? She says, but my husband is not going to take from any other bagel store we here in town. And she comes back and she tells me that I have to wait in line until uh, the line finished. I said, you shouldn't have waited in line. She says, no. She says, in, in the 50 years that we're married, I can't recall any time that you've ever asked me to get you something. And if you asked me this time, I felt it was important enough to you and to me to get you the bagels. But I went and picked up a dozen and a half bagels. Why? I don't know. That's what it was. Okay. At night, I get up in the morning, and I see a note over there that we have a Leviathan today of an aunt of yours, which I got a call last night. And please cook uh, whatever it was in the hard eggs. For the Suda Savra, and I'll bring along the bagel and cream cheese, and please get that ready. Okay, we left early in the morning, a little bit after davening, and, and we went to him, and basically we gave them the, the the eggs, the bagels, the cream cheese, etc., etc. And uh, during shift, my wife called them up and asked them, did anybody else bring a Suda Savra? He says, no, absolutely nobody else brought, which they were surprised, you know, it's in in Borough Park, they were sitting shiver. A lot of people knew about it, this and that, but nobody bought it. She said that was the only thing. And there was enough in there that kept them basically eating water for a second meal. And then they, you know, the Hanets began with, with things further on. 
So Gemara says it's interesting. You see, after the Shmai that happened, and you decided you wanted bagels. I decided I'm going to wait in line to get you the bagels. I can't go to any other store. You wouldn't take the bagels from them. And at night, we get this call about Leviah, because in the morning, we wouldn't have had the time to go pick up any bagels. It wouldn't have been a gay. It wouldn't have been a Susan Havra. So everything basically worked out just perfect. <coughs> at one time, when the Moshe Vaya was in Lakewood, he was here a number of times already. He met him. He came to the house of uh, my good old friend of Nasser. So I was there, and I tell him, uh, you say, our mice that strawberries is very infested, this and that. There's somebody over here in Lakewood, a very big mumchadov. And he says, it's baloney, there is no infestation in strawberries. This is uh, baba mice, it doesn't exist. So the Moshe Vaya turns to him, Nasser, he says, go to the local supermarket, pick up three shachtlach, three containers of a very good quality strawberry. And he tells me I should go and pick up that other rob to bring him here. Let's address it. Okay, so I pick up the rob and if not to bring the strawberries. And uh, I tell uh, the Moshe Vai, this is what it is, what the rob says. And the rob says, yes. I've been saying that publicly, that they, I'm a big mumchan to rob. And strawberries, I think can't doesn't exist. So the Moshe Vai opens up the thing, nice and slow, the way he always does these things. And he takes a toothpick. And he shows him, oh, here's a live one going on this strawberry, and here's a second one, also live ones. Puts it down, he says, look, the pudding ain't no. Picks up the second strawberry, finds a live one of that one. The third strawberry, right, the fourth one. He says, no, it must be this is an infested package. It was thrips that was on there, not aphids. Because aphids, once you find one, and it's a live one, you know that there's a whole family over there. Thrips are not like that. So he opens up the second package, and he finds over there a few of them also. That uh, with, with live uh, live thrips on it. The third package, and also has. Because so, this, uh, this Rav and Lakewood says, I didn't realize it. So I turned to the Moshe Vayas. I said, I've checked these things also, this and that. I said, to find that every single strawberry is such beautiful strawberries are infested. It's very, very odd, such a thing. But I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that you wouldn't put it in there or something like it, but what's the shot? So I'll tell you, this Rav holds that he's a very big mumchin to Rav. This is the first time I ever had such yat of the Shemaya that every single strawberry that I pick up, without no grosser bedikas or anything that I find on them, three, four, five out of a package, and the next package, he said, I've never had such yat of the Shemaya, etc., etc., to the Bonshim Tsugishtel, that this is what we had in the Tsugim Gafun, that everything over here was fully invested. I used to give Ashgach also on some hotels on Pesach, and I didn't use mushrooms. The reason was, because Rav Vosna has an Achuva, he says that mushrooms grows also in the medium of uh, wheat holes, etc., so he says it's not good to use it. So I didn't use it. Then there was a Mashgiach that was doing some work on, the, on mushrooms in Pennsylvania, and he told me that he found a farm that doesn't use wheat in their growing medium. Most of the farms do, and this one doesn't. He has a different mix. I checked up and this and that, and I sent the Mashgiach down again, and we kept it, so I was able to use it, but I notified the people don't think that we use a mushroom because mushroom came in on a Pesach. A Bozen said you can't use it on Pesach. But a yoyce, I was able to find mushrooms that doesn't grow with any chametz, etc., etc., and that's why we're using it, so the people should know that this is what it is. It's not just the regular mushrooms, this is what you have to have. Dafka, the ones that don't grow in, in any wheat medium. 
years ago when my parents uh, for Pesach, they used to come to me for Pesach. And uh, we brushed out a lot of uh, romaine lettuce, a little bit more than, uh, than we uh, really needed. And as we used by the first aid, as we were checking through what we have, we had this and that, it turned out we have a lot of romaine lettuce left over. So my mother, she says, look, we have so much, we're never going to use it up. I'm sure that somebody in the yeshiva could use it. She's going to go with my wife to yeshiva. They have over there oil that's eats, but also means the shiva's eat there, etc., etc. Because uh, they go down there. And what happened was, was very interesting. The uh, Adam that just recently got married into the family was an enical of some cipher. And uh, he was in a dilemma because the Baron cut the hell you could use iceberg lettuce as murder. And he was used to always eating romaine. He wouldn't eat ice cream, romaine, and and chreim. And what should he do? He's there with the mishpach, and there was no romaine there at all. Bechol he wasn't. And he he didn't know how to give tchanetzer of what's going on. So uh, he was, uh, you know, contemplating. He was embarrassed to ask him around. Suddenly, my mother and my wife walks in, and they bring a whole big bag of romaine. So he says, "Oh." Eliyahu is on and he says, I didn't know how to give the Chanetz, and Baruch Hashem, everything worked out, he has his Romaine, he ate the Romaine, and they ate the iceberg, and they ate the Romaine also, I don't know. A few years ago, after I had my <coughs> triple bypass surgery, Baruch Hashem, everything was alright, and I found that some other people that needed some bypass surgery, I called them up to guide them through how to take care that the pain shouldn't be as much and what they should do in certain methods, etc., etc., what they do when they cough. I had a number of things that basically was able to help out some people. Then I get a call from somebody. They just moved to Lakewood, and they're in the, in the same hospital, Jersey Shore Hospital, and the wife calls up, and she doesn't know. Should they do it here? They shouldn't do it here. So I said, look, this is what doctor uses. They said, this is the doctor. This is a doctor that's a little bit better. But, Hashem Dover, the other doctor, but Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky always told me, don't use the top doctor, because usually they're very big balagaiva, and you can't reason with them or talk to them. Talk to a doctor that's one down from that, and he has students. Because one that has students doesn't mind to be questioned. So, you you could question them, you could do everything, that's what it is. I checked out on this doctor, because that's why I didn't use the other doctor. I used this one, and Baruch Hashem, very, very much serious so the wife, she listened to everything, and I told her exactly how to take care afterwards, and does some yams, okay. And he had his surgery on a Wednesday. Friday, I had an appointment uh, by my doctor, which was right across the street from the hospital. So, after I finished my appointment, I decided to go across and visit this person that had the surgery on Wednesday. I come into his room, never met him before. And he looks at me, I ask, is this your name? He says, yes. And um, he says, what is your name? I say, my name is Elioranavi. He says, Elioranavi? I said, yes. He says, could you come closer? I come closer. And he's talking to me and this and that. I still didn't tell him what my name is. And uh, how do you feel, this and that? I said, I was the one that called, that spoke to your wife a few days ago before your surgery. What to do? He says, it was extremely, extremely helpful. He says, could I ask you a question? How long ago did you have your surgery? 
I said uh, less than two months ago. He jumps out of his bed. He says, I can't believe it. I was sure that I'm going to be laid up, that I'm not going to be able to walk around on my own two feet for close to two years. I'll need a walker. I need this. I need that. But if you tell me in less than two months, this is what you look like, that you cannot film this, they cannot use again, any surgery or anything, you come around to visit like that. He says, the best hotel we all know. Suddenly his son walks in. To, I don't know if to stay with him for Shabbos or what the thing was. So he tells his son, let me introduce you to Elion Avi. So the son says, introduce me. He says, yeah, come, let me tell you. This is the person that gave mommy all the information of how to go through with this thing. And Gabakok, he says, would you believe it that this person, less than two months ago, is when he had the same surgery, a triple bypass. When I walked to Hadum Kilehoi, and I go, he said that I open up my shirt and I show him the cut. You can still see the fresh cut and everything else like it. And he says, and he says, the best piece of news that I've had, he says, in the, in the whole time, he says, uh, But then I told him my name. I get a call one day, and he says, <coughs> he's uh, from Brazil. I said, yeah. I get calls from a lot of other people. And he says, he wants to come and talk to me. He's a Talmud from the Kasharov. And he wants to come and talk to me. I say, could you tell me about what? He says, I have an ASIC, I'm with a Gentoria with my brothers in Yerusha. And uh, the Kasharov says, I should talk to you. I happen to know the Kasharov's sons. The Kasharov himself, I didn't know personally. His sons used to call me a lot about Kasharov and about other issues to discuss. So I said, what do you want to talk about in Torah? He says, I need a Toyin. I said, I don't do that anymore. I used to do it, but I don't do it anymore. He says, but the Kasharov says, I should come and talk. I said, come and talk to me, Kolokov. Kitsi comes down with his wife. He explains to me that him and his brothers from Brazil all learned by the Kasharov in, uh, in New York. And what happened was, there's a Torah now for the Yerusha. And the brothers are paying off the Toyin of him. And he's got a problem. So he always has to change because then the Toyin starts to be representing against him for the brothers. <clears throat> so he went and asked the Kashirov what to do. So the Kashirov says, there's a Yid sitting in Lakewood, like this and this name. I don't know if he does the or not, but I can tell you one thing. If your big concern is <clears throat> that <coughs> you let them up, Kaifin, they will not be able to buy him off. And tell him, if he doesn't do the interiors, I'm asking him they should undertake this interior to do me a personal service. You, you can't turn down the Kasharov. The Kasharov asked for a certain table like that. Uh, I didn't bother calling the sons or anything. I decided I got to do it. Okay, so basically I undertook the thing. And um, basically uh, it was a long interior. It took basically two or three years. There was a lot of complications that came up in the middle, uh, etc. They kind of used not the Bechur and I kind of lived the Bechur. I brought the, the raw from the shul together with two other people. They testified that the father told this son to uh, make the scene B'chayim on Erev Pesach and Zeb B'chayim is Naaman. So the kids were able to swing in Torah and Baruch Hashem were very successful. What the brothers tainted, why he's not the B'chayim, they said the father had other children, other sons before. Where he married this woman. So he asked every one of the brothers individually, because that's what the Torah said. Do you say your father had other children? He says yes. And the second brother says, yeah, the father had different children. Herman said the father had different children. 
before, so he's not the Bechor. After the Bezdin Paskin that yes, he is the Bechor because they have any Bechori, so when they want to continue the Torah, I said, no, he's not to continue. Because the other ones can't really collect from this Yerusha because they said these other brothers. We don't know how many brothers there are, so actually, they really can't collect from the Yerusha. Only the Bechor can collect, nobody else. And the kids said, we came at a standstill at that point. Uh, for the thing, then the brother decided they don't want to listen to the Besden. They go into court. And of course, this this uh, won even more than P, than he would have had Pishnayim because of certain legalities. And the kids then they want to go back to the Besden. And I didn't want to go back to the Besden. But Baruch Hashem, the Bracha from the Kashir over there.